Welcome to Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. I'm Shannon Lawrence. And I'm M.B. Partlow. Quick content warning before we get started. This podcast may contain language and disturbing content, so enter at your own risk. Intro music. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi-ho! What did I say? Ah, damn it. Hi, O Silver. It's my son yesterday because he was driving me somewhere and he's Ah. like, what? What? And he goes, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you've heard of that? I said, because it was really actually before my time, except I was watching it on, it was on, it was still in repeats on TV all the time. I think that was even before my time. Yeah, it's pretty old. (laughs) Speaking of old. Oh, shit, what? Speaking of old, (laughs) how old did I feel at karaoke on Thursday night? Uh, You know what? They were playing my music even. It was actually a lot of my music, which was good, but I don't actually like song. I feel like people are aware of this at this point since I did a whole, like, probably bitched in two episodes about a woman yelling throughout an entire <laughs> horror movie. But when they get up there and they're just yelling and, like, growly speaking. Doing the screamo. Yeah. I, I was impressed by the DJ, Sammy, I believe. And yes. they were really good at the growl. I like the growl. Like, yes. I can't do that. So I'm impressed by that. I, so, I asked thing two, is that... Is that like the karaoke you normally go to? And she just kind of laughed. She's like, no. Ah. And she said to me, I know you don't like it, but can you admit that some of them do it really well? And I said, oh, yes, I can, obviously. But I said, I don't enjoy. I think I might have enjoyed. And here's how really fucking old I am. I might have enjoyed it if the volume was just a little bit lower. Yeah, it was a small space. and It was was a very small space. And I don't think they accounted for... But that's the thing is, again, Sammy seemed to be aware of being able to do the growl without it being. Yes. And then, so the one that three of them did together, uh-huh. including him, they, okay, well, two of the three of them did their parts really well. And I the, mean, the one person... that was doing the growly, screamy thing was actually really good yes. at it. And so I could appreciate that. But and the yeah, third that person acted evening, like they'd never heard that song before. Yeah. And couldn't read. Yeah, they they were not prepared to be up there with. No, then there was the woman who did Tainted Love. She was the woman with the pasties under her dress. Yes, it took me a minute looking. I was, what is wrong with? (laughs) Am I seeing her whole nipple? Why is it shaped like that? Why is it so big? (laughs) So dark. Yeah, they're star shaped. (laughs) What an unusual birthmark you have now. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, it is star shaped. Oh, it's pasty. Yeah, I pick. I after a while, but I, I kind of thought. I sat there thinking, because she was really emoting the song. So, and it was Tainted Love, which is one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if you don't know the fucking words, quit closing your eyes. So, because she would open her eyes and then she'd like look around trying to catch her place. It's like, oh my God. Absolutely. And then the guy who did White Wedding. Oh, yeah. He was really bad, except when he really belted out the White Wedding. Yeah. That part, he, and I'm like, Dude, you just need to put more oomph behind your singing and you'd be fine. I love the ones that surprised me because they're really good. Yes. And then he, there was a really big guy that got up near the <gasps> end and his voice was amazing. And I was like, what is happening right now? And what it is was this? high. Uh, yes. It, it was, well, you know, tenor. It, like yes. That. Yeah. But the problem with that one, his performance really was amazing. However, it's in, uh, we were at the Burlaby, which is a local La burlesque Burlaby. club. Mm-hmm. La Burlaby. And so there was a big screen hanging on the wall and there were um, 
various performances going on. So there were burlesque performances and pole performances. I think those were predominantly. So and some were single performers, some were a fucking stage full of people. So this big guy gets up, and I mean he's big, and he looks kind of t- yeah. He looks very tough, six. and he's got this beautiful tenor voice, and he's singing his heart out, and he's really a good singer. And behind him is a burlesque performance on the screen with a woman wearing a skirt made out of bananas. <laughs> so flipping out behind him, you see like a foot, and then you see bananas flipping <laughs> around. And I could not stop looking at the bananas. I did find that screen deeply distracting, and they shouldn't have done yes. it. And also. I would get distracted. I might be like moving to the music of the, what they were singing, and but you can see rhythm when you're watching something without sound too. And then it would be a different rhythm when what the person was singing, and then I get totally distracted into that rhythm because I was looking at the screen. <laughs> and then I'd be like, yes. "Oh wait, the song!" And then I'd switch back to that. It was my brain didn't like that at all. Now I will say that sometimes the rhythm of the performance matched matched the song, which was. Hilarious. That was. That was quite special. And then one of them, and I know she's one of the burlesque dancers. She was one of the newer ones. I may have only seen that her perform like once, maybe twice before I stopped going. But because we didn't like the venue. Wasn't comfortable smushed up against other people watching burlesque. And I find that deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. And also I want a table because if you want me to buy drinks. Putting them at my feet so they spill is not enjoyable. But anyway. No. I forget. Oh, they sang a song from Chicago. And then right oh, halfway the through their performance. She had the with long the hair, but it was side. shaved on the side. Yeah. She was adorable. Yes. And she, and she sang say, really well. Yes, she could. But halfway through her performance, right behind her on the screen, popped up a piece from Chicago. Chicago. I saw that. And I was wondering if it was the same song or not. I was trying but, to figure yeah, out. Then I got distracted. But see, you can't. I'm too ADHD to have a screen behind you playing something that has no relevance to what you're doing. Right. Or apparently when it does have relevance but is now offset like a bad piece of row, row, row. It would have been like if they had had the screen playing uh, music videos with yeah. no sound. Yeah. And, to what they were saying. And the most puzzling thing to me was so the DJ, I, I don't know if he, they're called DJs, but that's what yeah, we're calling them. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm calling That's what we're calling them. The person in charge was maybe 30. Yeah. Ish. And knew all the songs, knew a lot of the people. Well, that's what you're supposed to do when you go to the same place where you get to yeah. know people. And you have to be willing to get up there and sing and get things started. They seem very natural with it all. Yes. And they were training someone new. <laughs> Who was in the 60s, probably. Like the, well, the yeah, probably 60s. Crusty, blue collar. Not a very big guy. And the first song he performed, he got up and he said, this is a song. I have a 15-year-old daughter and this song is for her. And I could not make the connection between his daughter and this song because it was like... When men grow up, they become babies again. Well, but because they become babies because their daughter's being courted. Did you hear those parts? I might not. I just, okay, so the, the uh, it's a dad, and now his daughter is old enough to be dating and uh, having men after him, and then that made him emotional, and so he be, men became babies. I've never heard oh, that Oh, okay. Before. I get it. I wasn't, I wasn't making the connection, probably because he was really bad. He was. And I leaned over to Thing 2 and whispered in her ear, do you want me to get up and dedicate a song to you? No, thank you. And she looked at me and said, go for it. (laughs) 
Nothing like a child who can call you on your bullshit. That's right. So, um, yeah. And so we hung out for a while and some of the, yeah, I was like, that would not be, I'm glad that that exists for people who like that style of music. But I'm like, if I'm going to go listen to karaoke, that is not the karaoke I want to listen to. I went to uh, probably like Irish bar type feel place down off Academy near where it's about to come South Academy. And there was uh-huh. a good variety prints and stuff like that. Yeah. So that one was probably one you might have enjoyed more. Probably. I've been to um, back when Navajo Hogan was open. Yeah. I went there. Were you there? I was there. So the karaoke was... I mean, the part and of the, we were dancing to it, which is yes. why I really I like dancing. Yeah, I'm not going to sing. I don't do karaoke because once upon a time I could sing, and I'm not going to remind myself how I can't anymore because something ruined my voice. <laughs> See, so I, I would I would love to get up and sing. Well, why didn't you? Because I am tone deaf. I can't sing, and I know that, and it disturbs me. I sing because I'm so bad, but I enjoy yeah, but they it. Were bad. That's the point of karaoke. That's true. It would be bad. I'm just going to hurt my own feelings if I try to okay. do it. So I'm not going to do it. And I know not that, that I even sing bad, bad now, but my voice cracks because of something oh. I was put on before. So, and I know that if I got up and sang my heart out some song that I picked, I know that you guys all would have cheered. It's true. You would have applauded would have for sung me loudly with you if you yes. did. So, like we all did for White Wedding. Yeah. And the guy who was dressed in the Beyonce shirt, yeah, the white jeans, uh-huh. the black Beyonce shirt. When, oh, I was thinking of Freddie Mercury when I looked at him. Oh, yes. Yeah. That too. Um, who said that? Somebody said that. Said what? Either Frida or Amy said, he looks like he's channeling a young Freddie Mercury. Oh, that's funny because I thought about it and say it and I didn't hear them say it. So but the really shirt was. he was wearing was what Beyonce was wearing in the all the single ladies. It looked like oh, that. Oh, okay. The single ladies. Anyway. Uh, when we were all singing along to White Wedding, he turned around and he goes, hit it, choir, <laughs> to us. And, all right. That's what he said. I couldn't, I can't fucking, here's the other problem. Uh, I am hard of hearing and any background noise makes it so I can't hear words. So that's why I just kind of yeah. sat up there and ignored everybody. Cause I was like, every time somebody tried to talk to me, I was like, I don't know what you're saying. I can't actually hear you. Well, when Frida came back with a drink and she said, this is from your friend Shannon. Oh, yeah. I couldn't hear her. So I thought, and I looked at her and she said it again. And I thought she said, this is from Shannon's friend, Jana. And I, I'm looking at her like <laughs> completely puzzled. And then she's terrified that she's been calling so the wrong you name. Shannon and your name is not that. And <laughs> a good time was had by all. <laughs> but you know what we did? Well, of course, it'll be a while when this is finally aired. But do you know what we did yesterday that was magnificent? What? We took a van full of stuff to the Ark drop-off and dropped it off. We got that much junk out of our house. I was so happy. So happy. It's Uh, out of my house. Yeah. I need to do that to my mom's house. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, all right. I'm going to go first this time. Yes. Segway right into, I can't remember. Yes, now I remember what you're talking about. 
interviewing the Pavlorod maniac. Do you enjoy going to the grocery store? If so, this message is not for you. But if you're like me and procrastinate going to the store, Instacart is a fantastic option to ensure you no longer have to. Save yourself a trip and go through Instacart, where you can get a delivery through a personal shopper in as little as one hour. My experiences have been great so far, with my personal shopper texting me before substituting another product, letting me know when they were on their way to my house, and letting me know it had been delivered, all via text. If you click on our affiliate link in the show notes or on our website, you get free delivery on your first order over $35 and you help out our show at the same time. It's the perfect time to give it a try. Oh, I meant to look this up, but I believe it's pronounced. So his name is S-E-R-H-I-Y, but I saw a lot of articles calling him Sergey. Huh. So I'm just going to go by his last name after this is what's going to happen. Because I was like, I don't know. Is that what it sounds like in Russian or are they misnaming him? Anyway, that name, Sergey or Sergey or something, Tkach. So he's Tkach from here on out. That might not even be right. I don't know Russian. My dad did. He's not here for me to check with. Anyway, Tkach was born okay. September 15th, 1952 in Kiselyovsk, Soviet Union. Actually, I really like the sound of Eastern European and, uh-huh. and Russian and all of that, but I don't know it. It's fun to pretend. His family was large, his father a minor. And Tkach was the fourth child. It said that he wasn't well as a kid, that he was considered weak and kept to himself. Because he was small, he got picked on a lot. So in his later school years, he he took up weightlifting and did really well with it, actually. So he got himself in good shape and he medaled in competitions. Oh, wow. Well, then he tore a tendon in his arm. Wow. And he was out. No more weightlifting. And and he had planned, he was going to take this all the way. He had planned and applied to OMSK. Institute of Physical Education to pursue, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, boom, can't do it anymore. So Aww. he joined the army. I mean, don't be too sympathetic. He's a terrible <laughs> person. <laughs> he did well enough in the army and took the exams to go to the Sevastopol Naval School. Though he passed those exams with flying colors, a medical exam showed he had a previously undiagnosed heart problem. Boom, he's out of his next career choice. Right? So that's two in a row. This didn't disqualify him from the army because apparently the army is the same in Russia as it is here where they're just like, whatever, you're fodder. (laughs) Yeah, cannon fodder. Yeah, but it did mean he couldn't go to the naval school. Having been forced out of both those careers due to health issues, he tried to commit suicide. Though the attempt failed, he was booted out of the army as well, finally. He would later tell people he was a veteran of the Soviet-Afghan War, but I could neither confirm nor deny this. And since this is a more recent case, you'll see, we're going into the 2000s. Okay. And there's a lot of shit I couldn't find, because the newer the case, Uh, the less there is out there. Yes. He was happy near the sea, so he stayed in the area and became a dog catcher. Which I think is a total misnomer because they were killing dogs, not catching them. They they just would they would have service weapons basically, and they would kill the dog. Oh, but he that's preferred awful. To kill them more personally, hands on, and then he would sell their pelts for extra money. So he was cruel. That's awful. It is awful, and I imagine there's plenty of stray dogs and stray whatever. So yeah, they were like, oh no, they, so they they would kill them with their service dogs, and I'm like, excuse me, that's not catching, no. <laughs> that's killing. Ultimately, he went back home and joined the local police force, eventually working his way up to being a forensic investigator. What do we not want our serial rapists and murderers to be? Forensic, forensic investigators. investigators trained. 
After falsifying a report, though, and it sounds more like it was laziness than anything else. Okay. But I don't know for sure. He was fired from the force in 1979. At that time, he was married and had at least one child of his own. He took a job for a railroad and sunk into alcoholism, which would eventually lead to the end of his marriage. Apparently, he was alcoholic and violent in his relationships. Not long after his firing, he killed his first victim. It was indicated that this was after a major dust-up with that first wife. But since I didn't know how accurate, because I only saw that situation in one place, I decided not to repeat it. So just that it was a dust-up, a fight. He happened across a young woman while he was out on a drunken walk, strangled her, and raped her dead body. He He supposedly called police to confess, but didn't give his name and fled before they arrived. By 1983, he had remarried, had another child, and moved to Pavlograd from Crimea. There, his first victim was a 10-year-old girl. According to his own confessions, his MO was to watch the victims to be sure no one else was around. He would then come up on them as they faced away from him and strangle them with whatever object he might have on hand, such as a cord, the strap of a backpack, their own backpack, that sort of thing. He would then rape the body, making sure to wear a condom and sometimes dispose of the clothing. He kept trophies such as a music book or jewelry and made sure anything on which he might have left fingerprints went with him. Why? Because he was a forensic investigator. Having been both an investigator and a forensic analyst, he knew how to hide evidence that might lead police to him. And he would later mention enjoying jerking around the inept police. Nice. Has a motivation. What a fucking prince among men. Oh, he was. Another way he tried to fool them was to commit the killings near railroad tracks. This worked in multiple ways. Firstly, he hoped the police would think the killer was transient, riding in on the rails, then disappearing on another train. Well, he needed a hatchet then, obviously. (laughs) Also, there were creosote treatments on the tracks that smelled strongly enough that any tracking dogs would lose the scent. Okay, that's... Yeah, I know. I mean, Begrudgingly. It's, it's clever. I uh-huh. have to say it's clever. I don't admire it. But it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Throughout the years, he moved around Crimea, Ukraine, and Russia committing his crimes. Most of them were in Ukraine. The body count would mount with victims typically between age 8 and 18. Oh. The youngest was 8, the oldest was 18. And other than that, they were scattered in between. While he was good about covering his tracks, he would be brought in multiple times for questioning. Some claim he bribed his way out. Whatever the reason, he remained out of prison, bodies of young girls stacking up. Police became desperate to find the killer. As a result, they pulled in other possible suspects, mistreating them, beating them, and in general trying to coerce admissions. One of them they threatened to go after his two-year-old. Oh, my God. Several of these men were convicted of individual murders and stuck in prison. One man was blamed for not only his own daughter's murder, but some of the other girls in the area in 1989. He was arrested and charged with 22 murders. Desperate and despondent, he committed suicide in prison, leaving his widow and other daughter behind to be tormented by the locals for years afterward because he was considered to be this, this maniac. Serial killer. And, like, his daughter... Ended up getting married multiple times and the family wouldn't let her breed because they didn't want to introduce his genes. And the man hadn't even fucking done it. This guy had. God. Another innocent was convicted in 2002 for one of Takach's victims. He was 14 years old and would end up spending eight years in prison. Wow. In 2004, a living victim was found. She had passed out when strangled but hadn't died, though Takach clearly thought she had, so he'd raped her and left the body behind where someone found her. A man was convicted of the crime and given 10 years. Wasn't him. Now, I will say you're gonna, I'm going to be using victim. There's only one named one, and I'm about to name her, and this is because they were minors and their names were not released. So this is not me being not wanting to 
say who they were. It's just not out there. And for good reason. Yes. Because they were minors. In 2005, he screwed up again, leaving an 18-year-old victim named Olga Topolova alive accidentally. She was able to describe her attacker. Scotch had changed his appearance frequently, so when police pulled in everyone nearby with a mustache, they didn't get him. He'd already shaved it off. And by the way, the one that the 14-year-old was convicted of, Takach had messed up and one of his gray hairs was left there on her body. Mm -hmm. And they arrested a 14-year-old and convicted him of it. They didn't care about the gray hair. Yeah. But then August arrived. He went to hang out at a lake, watching children in the water the entire time and approaching a group of girls. One little girl ended up being left alone and Takach was able to grab her and murder her in his usual way. He'd gotten cocky by now, having been getting away with his numerous crimes for 25 years. Holy shit. He attended her funeral, where the other little girls recognized him as the guy who'd approached them and talked to their friend before she disappeared. Police showed up at his door, and he told them he'd been waiting for them. He claimed that alcohol had made him do it, but then he also told them there were two big reasons he'd done it. So it wasn't alcohol. Because a girl had turned him down when he wanted to get intimate when he was a young boy. Some reports said he was nine. Others said he was in seventh grade. And it said that she was she was a uh, classic Soviet girl, and that was, you know, a no-no. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, they were young when he tried to do this anyway. I mean, not to say I wasn't doing some shit in seventh grade, but... <laughs> came from a very different area the second reason was as i mentioned before to mess with police and prove he was smarter than them so it was a game despite having been removed from the force he also wanted to get more kills than famous serial killers citing andre chikatilo who was famous in russia for convicting 52 murders but claiming more than 56 he wanted to be big you know a psychiatrist for the court said he had something called hero stratus syndrome meaning he committed the crimes to get famous but I was like, if he was really trying to draw attention to himself, we've seen those killers who send letters and yep. and taunt and make sure the press is picking up stuff and read their own press. And he didn't seem to be doing that. So I don't know. Clearly, he wanted to be bigger than this guy, but he hadn't reached that point yet. And so I don't know if that would still fall under that syndrome. And I was like, whatever. They're the psychiatrist. But I feel like he didn't draw enough attention to himself for that earlier. He did try to get people to pay him for interviews and said a movie needed to be made about him by Steven Spielberg. He insisted for $3 million he'd give the story to Spielberg. But Spielberg was not interested. Uh, yeah, Spielberg is probably like, you can just fuck right up. Right? And I don't even make that kind of movie. Yeah. He claimed to have killed over 100 girls, but investigators could only prove 37. That's still pretty hefty. For his crimes, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was given a life sentence in 2008. So it t took, what, three years for this case to get all the investigation in the case. And the death penalty had been abolished in Ukraine in 2000, and that's where he was being tried. Okay. Because that's where he was caught. He left three ex-wives and four kids behind. But that was not enough for him. In 2015, a 25-year-old woman named Elena Bokina, who had seen him in an interview when she was 16 and had been oh. besotted with him ever no. since... Married to Koch in a prison ceremony. They'd been riding back and forth for a while. Her stationery scented with perfume and had met on opposing sides of glass speaking through handsets. Human rights provisions provide for conjugal, conjugal visits for married prisoners. And together, they had a baby they named Elizabetta in 2016. Barf. He was 65 at the time. Now, she was 25, so they were 40 years apart. 
Some of the reports were saying 23 and 63. So just throwing that out there. I don't know what's true. The young woman was disturbing in her interviews, claiming she would have helped him hide the bodies because she was so in love. Her parents tried to get custody of her daughter away from her, citing her actions as showing she wasn't in a sane enough state to have the child. I could not find anything showing they were ever successful. And she did end up making up with her parents and moving in with them in Moscow later. So... The couple appeared in several videotaped interviews available to view online. I did watch them. I'm disturbed by her. They were trying to get him early release with plans to live by Lake Baikal. Yeah, she said his age would work for him in that and that he behaved in prison. Elena was quoted by RT.com as saying, I love him and I am sure everything will work out for us. He is the harmless one. I am the dangerous one. Such a fucking moron. She also said in that interview, (laughs) yeah, I already have nothing good to say about the type of women who um, all the people who were in love with Manson after what he did, all the people who were in love with Bundy and he'd have that whole situation with a woman. And I just, I I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I'm disgusted by it. It's one of the few Mm -hmm. things that I'm like, I can see their point of view. I can't. I can't see their point of view. This person is sick and sadistic. You know exactly what they did. And at one point, Elena was like, well, I don't I don't feel guilty because I didn't commit the crime. She said, I don't think it's right that anybody got murdered that way. But it, I, the mental gymnastics she had to do yes. to make it okay. And here's the thing. Even though she'd been in love with him since 16 or whatever, when she saw him on the news and, and doing an interview at the time of his arrest. Infatuated. Yes. She did actually write to some other criminals for a while. Oh, so. God. She also said in that interview that if she had to deal with ex-wives, she'd kill them as she was a jealous woman. An interview with the mirror was done in the apartment where he got three-day conjugal visits every two months. It was an actual apartment with a full kitchen, meaning knives and everything. So somebody would have to check in every hour to make sure she was still alive. And she was like, I'm not scared. He's not going to kill me. Yeah, because you're so special. Oh, wait, you're over the age. I was going to say she was too old for him. Elena insisted that no females be allowed to be part of the crew to be sure he didn't have anyone to lust over because she felt that her husband was charming and and a draw and any woman would also be interested in him. A reporter said she verbally dominated the interview and the video I watched showed this to be true. I did watch one of the interviews partway. Takach died in prison of heart failure on November 4th, 2018, while he was reviled as one of the worst serial killers in Russia, which I'm sure made him happy. No movie was made about him. (laughs) Yay! He did appear in Inside the World's Toughest Prisons briefly, and that's where news got out that he'd fathered a child while in prison. Any money he got for appearances supposedly went to his family and the victim's families, according to him. One of the men falsely arrested for his crimes remained in prison until 2016. Bear in mind, they found, figured out this guy in 2005 and he was convicted three years later. And it still oh took until God. 2016. Eight more years. For them to prove his innocence. And he, he was brutalized in prison because well, he'd killed, they thought he'd killed yeah. and raped young girls and was a necrophiliac. Which is funny because I never saw that this dude was actually brutalized in prison. So the actual killer was treated just fucking fine. And the poor innocent man was tormented. Other falsely convicted men were either already out or had died. One at the hands of police. They shot one of them. One article stated there were actually 10 survivors of him. And that doesn't seem far-fetched to me because strangling is so much harder than than it looks in movies. 
And if they were unconscious and even say a thready pulse, he mm-hmm. wouldn't know. And so I can, that makes sense to me. It doesn't appear he checked all that carefully to confirm they were dead before going all necro on him. Interestingly, Elena did not claim his body after he died for all her big talk, nor did any of his relatives. He was buried in a pauper's grave. His name is not on the gravestone, and that's how famous he is. As far as I know, he never got to see his daughter either, because she was a Russian citizen, and Elena was not allowed to bring her to Ukraine. So, he never even got to see her, and I was like, ha ha, fucker. He was once asked in an interview, I didn't write this down. There's, again, so much on him that I didn't put in here. He was asked in an interview, what do you do if it was one of his kids or one of his wives? And he said, oh, I would absolutely tear apart the person that did that to them. And it's like, if you can see that, then how could you do it to all these little girls? And his bullshit because a seventh grade girl turned him down. Such fucking bullshit. That's absolute piece of shit. It had nothing to do with that. That was just something you did to get pity. Anyway... My sources, actually primarily deadhouse.org, which appeared oh. to be English, not the first language. Hmm. So I was, I was afraid that I was going to start writing like that. So it was like <laughs> the Mirror and Murderpedia. I mean, there were a ton of tabloids, like British tablet. He was huge in British tabloids. Of course. And so I was trying not to use those ones much. And Murderpedia really didn't have extensive stuff on him. I think there were three little articles that they had on him and Murderpedia. Yeah, sometimes, and sometimes you go to Murderpedia and all they have is the Wikipedia yeah, yeah, article. Exactly. And I'm like, I want photos. I want details. I want, but yeah, like all of them were pretty vague. They didn't talk about huh. his crimes, but that Deadhouse one had a lot more information. But then I was like, why are they the only ones with this information? How true is it? So there's a lot of stuff I didn't put in there because I just didn't know. I don't know. It was well, weird. We're being very... Worldly today, because mine is set in Spain. Spain. If you're thinking of starting a podcast or even just starting to research it, Buzzsprout is your go-to source for information and hosting. They have tons of videos and write-ups on everything you need to know about recording and distributing a podcast, and they even provide easy ways to get analytics on how your podcast is doing. We use Buzzsprout for our podcast hosting, and through them, we've been able to connect with tons of resources and distributors. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. A win-win. Not only do they help you get started, but they also do small things to encourage you, such as awarding you badges as you hit various milestones. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. So I be prepared. Buckle up. I'm going to mispronounce everything. I, <laughs> I just will. So I'm going to talk, I, and I apparently am fascinated with werewolves. I didn't realize this, but I know I did one a few weeks ago. This is the werewolf of Allery's. So... And I don't even know how this came across my awareness. Uh, Manuela Blanco Romasanta was born on November 18, 1809, one of five children. At the age of six, doctors reassigned Manuela's sex to male. And at the age of eight, his name was changed to Manuel. Okay. It's believed his parents were well off because he could both read and write, which was fairly rare in that area at that time. I'm going to back up a step because, you know, sometimes I fall down a rabbit hole and I do share it. Current research believes that Roma Santa was intersexual, which basically means a person is born with anatomy that doesn't squarely fit the definition of male or the definition of female. And 
Apparently, doctors are required to assign babies a sex at birth. When the baby, you have to when they, check when the box. When it can go either way, yeah. Yeah. So, which doesn't mean that's the gender identity they'll grow up with. No, it's deeply problematic. Yes. Sometimes doctors do surgery on babies mm -hmm. or prescribe hormone therapies so the individuals conform to either male or female standards. I'm happy to say this pra practice has been called into question. Well, good. And here we are in a country where all of a sudden they're trying to go against yeah. doing that for the people who are just trying to be their mm -hmm. own gender. And yeah, that we I know that we habitually do this to yes. babies yes. who are born with, say, both sets of sexual organs. Or, yes. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for it to happen. They estimate it's one to two out of 100 people in the U.S. are intersex. Like I said, it's not a health problem of any kind. It and it could, wouldn't be problematic if we didn't feel we had to stick yes. to one or the other gender. So it could mean they have internal or external organs of both sexes. They have a different chromosomal makeup like the XXY or internal organs of one sex and external organs of the other. Some people don't discover their intersexuality until puberty or until there's a medical issue and they go, holy hell, look what we found. And some never know. That was all, actually, I never, I, I said to my husband, it's not often I get to quote Murderpedia and Planned Parenthood <laughs> in the same, in the same article. So, but yeah, that all came from, I was like, when I started reading Intersex, I was like, well, what exactly does that mean? I like to, I like to know what I'm talking about, if at all possible. So there you go. There's your little bit of knowledge for today. So we're going to go back to Roma Santa. He was short. Uh, between four foot six and four foot eleven, so kind of like the guy you were just talking about, he was a very small guy, blonde and tender looking. So he married. He worked as a dressmaker and was later widowed. Uh, there was nothing. They actually made a point. A couple of the articles made a point that he was not suspiciously widowed. His wife. Did, okay. It was a hard life in a hard place. So his first wife died after his wife's death. He worked as a traveling salesman and also guided travelers through the mountains. In 1844, Vicente Fernandez tried to collect a debt that Roma Santa owed a supplier. Uh, Fernandez, I found different titles. He may have been a sort of a police officer. He may have been a town official, but the guy owed a debt. He went to collect it. He turned up dead. When he turned up dead, Roma Santa was charged with the murder he didn't show up in court. He was found guilty by default and was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment. Not wanting to go to jail, he fled and lived in hiding for a year. When he resurfaced, he had a fake passport showing his name was Antonio Gomez from Portugal. He lived under the assumed name in a small village in Spain where he helped with the harvest. He worked as a cook. He worked as a weaver. He easily made friends with women of the village and the local men considered him to be effeminate. He, cause oh, he did yeah. women's work. You know, he, he could do things with clothing. He cooked, he hung out with the women and befriended them and he was slight in stature. So nobody viewed him as any kind of threat. After establishing himself in the village, it appears that women and children who hired him as a guide began to disappear. On the one hand, he was clever enough to bring back faked letters he had written to the women's family, stating that they had arrived at their destination safely and were settling in. 
So he was smart enough to think that far ahead. On the other hand, he was caught selling the clothes that his victims had last been seen wearing when they left with them. I'm like, So um, at this time, rumors began to surface. This is really gruesome. That he was selling soap made from human fat. And uh, this is a rumor that HistoryCollection.com says was proven true. I couldn't find a lot, a lot of people of, have done that. Yeah, frankly, I know. <laughs> like it's uh, good fat. <laughs> um, side note for a thing two style fun fact: the Roma Santa trial is believed to be the origin of the story of sinister men with shoulder bags, Sokantos, who roamed the countryside murdering children for their fat. A story frequently used to scare children. Provincial children in the 19th and 20th centuries. Human fat was believed to cure illness and was also thought to be a lubricant superior to animal fats. The myth became more widespread in Spain with the spread of railways. So Roma Santa was the first of several people charged for selling human fat in the 19th century. Interesting. I just watched Fight Club and I forgot that the, the... He was making soap with human fat that he got from outside, like, a liposuction clinic. Ew. I've never <laughs> seen that movie. it was the best fat, he said. Ew. You haven't? I've never Have seen it. Have you read it? No. Because it's a Chuck Palahniuk. Who I like, but I'm, I was like, Fight Club. That's people punching each other in the face. No, thank you. Oh, there's so much more to I it. Know. <laughs> I know. I yes. Okay, so anyway. In 1852... A formal complaint was lodged that Roma Santa was tricking women and children into traveling with him so he could kill them and remove their fat, which he sold. He was arrested in September and taken to trial in Allerese, where he was, where he defended himself by claiming he was afflicted with lycanthropy. Side note. Another side note. God, I've gotten one paragraph and now I'm on another side note. At the time of this accusation in trial... It is important to understand the area and why you're thinking, why were these fucking women and children leaving with him? The area where he was, was undergoing an historically bad famine. So people were leaving in droves. There were mass migrations out of the area. And understandably, because of that, fear and anxiety were massively high in the people who were still left in the area. Well, and you said he was guiding. Yeah. And... And he if had he was seen as effeminate, he might have been seen as less of a threat and therefore yes. a safer option to go with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So he admitted to 13 murders, but claimed he had committed them after transforming into a wolf. And I have a direct, I have a quote what he said at the trial. The first time I transformed was in the mountains of Cuso. I came across two ferocious looking wolves. I suddenly fell to the ground and began to feel convulsions. I rolled over three times, and a few seconds later, I was a wolf. I was out marauding with the other two for five days until I returned to my own body, the one you see before you today, Your Honor. The other two wolves came with me, who I thought were also wolves, changed into human form. They were from Valencia. One was called Antonio and the other Don Gennaro. They, too, were cursed. We attacked and ate a number of people because we were hungry. Okay. I would like to point out at this point that being a werewolf has nothing to do with making soap from the fat of people's bodies. It does not. Um, also, I did not... There was so much 
this is such a precedent or unprecedented. I'm not sure where I want to go with that word. This was such a big anomaly in Spanish law. There are over 2,000 pages that were generated from this trial. It is noted as the only case in judicial history in Spain where the word lycanthropy is used. Nice. And I'm like, well, he's obviously not a fucking werewolf. So are you proud of that? You don't believe in a werewolf? I was like, are you proud of that or ashamed of it? It is not clear. Anyway, not being complete idiots, the prosecutors asked Roma, Roma Santo to transform into a wolf in front of the court. Uh-huh. Ha ha. Also, oh, not also, the word is alas. <laughs> I can't read. Alas, he replied, he had been cursed with lycanthropy for 13 years, which had, to his great relief, expired just last week. <laughs> just the week before. Good try, bud. Good try. Yeah. Doctors then presented proof that he was making this shit up. But I have to tell you, the doctors were phrenologists. Oh, the head bumps on <laughs> the head? They read the bumps on your head. Yeah. I believe they shaved his head yeah. and read the bumps on his head to say that he was full of shit. You know how I knew that existed? Minute work with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. That was how I knew what a phrenologist was. I've seen it come up here and there. As as a well, holy fuck, you can read the bumps on someone's head. You cannot. You, no. <laughs> Stop it. So interestingly, sort of, the court did acquit him of four of the murders that he confessed to, because upon examination of the bodies, they had actually been torn apart by wolves. Oh, so four of the people had actually died in wolf attacks. He was found guilty of killing the other nine. His victims were. Manuela Garcia, age 47, and her daughter Petra, who was 15. Uh, I'm not going to, I have, I have where they were killed. You don't care. Um, Benita Garcia Blanco, age 34, and her son Francisco, age 10. Antonia Eand, 37 years old, and her daughter Peregrina, doesn't have her age. Uh, Josefa Garcia and her son Jose Passos, who was 21 years old, and Maria Dolores, who was 12 years old. So he was sentenced to death by garrot. Mm. I'm like, wow, that seems an un- Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's strangling someone. And, and even like in a way that cuts into the skin. Like, that's uh, it's, a- it, it, yeah. So apparently that was a thing in Spain. They Shit, didn't make Spain? it up for him. Uh, and he was also he also had to pay a thousand real for each victim. I don't know how you expect a man with no money in prison to pay anyone anything. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be assessed as a penalty. But I've never understood you're throwing someone in prison. In prison, how the fuck are they going to ever pay it? I guess if they could get into prison labor, then there's the minimal pay that they get, and that yeah. goes to people, not to them. Then uh, the sentence was then reduced to life imprisonment. Then it went. Then the first sentence was upheld. <laughs> the garroting. Yeah, but wait, there's more chuckle fuckery afoot. <laughs> a man known as Mister Phillips was a French hypnotist living in London following the werewolf of Allerys through reports in the French newspapers. He wrote to the Spanish Minister of Justice, proclaiming that Roma Santo was suffering from monomania. 
What's that, you ask? (laughs) I looked it up because I've heard the word before, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. A form of partial insanity conceived as single psychological obsession in an otherwise sound mind. Anyway, Mr. Phillips further stated that he had successfully treated this condition, monomania lycanthropy, through hypnosis and asked that Roma Santa's execution be delayed so he could study the case. The Minister of of Justice presented the case to Queen Isabella II, who commuted his sentence to life imprisonment. Sadly, there is nothing to document whether Mr. Phillips ever got to examine Roma Santa. I was very upset about it. I was like, fuck, I've got to know more. There isn't even proof of where and when Roma Santo died exactly. He may have died shortly after arriving at the new prison, after his sentence was commuted, and he may have died of natural causes, or he may have been shot by a guard who wanted to see him change. Uh-huh. Other evidence suggests he died of stomach cancer before he even got transferred. So there are several different stories about it. He died, but we're not exactly Don't sure how. In 2004, the movie Roma Santo was released, starring Julian Sands, based Aww. on this story. Yes, who's missing? <laughs> His family just, they've called off the searches. Oh, I, I just saw that, that yesterday. <laughs> when I was writing this, they were still looking. Um, the film is based on a script written by a descendant of one of the doctors involved in the trial. Okay. Today, he is remembered mostly as Spain's first serial killer. Although, this was in the early 1800s, so I'm like, is he the first or the first they caught? The first recorded. Here's the thing. I'm so tired of the, this is the first serial killer here. This is the first serial killer in this state. This is, because you know what? They never fucking are. And there are a billion serial killers that existed before. There's some magical line we crossed. How many Wild West figures are serial killers? Right, that uh, exists, but we don't yes. ever call them serial killers. No, and those were the, the okay. Maybe they were the first, but maybe not because there's probably been a billion serial killings in places where things weren't being documented. There was yes. no policing on that. There's, they've been around probably since the beginning of humanity. There yes. were probably serial killer cavemen. So I'm really because probably. I looked up. There was a story I thought about doing. I might do it later. Called the Harp Brothers. <gasps> I've looked at them, too. (laughs) And they're like, they are the first American serial killers. killers. Oh, of course they are. But so is H.H. Holmes. And so is this person. And so is that person. And none of them are actually the first. So stop it. They may be the first one to be called a serial killer. Yes. They are not the first serial killers. Uh, I'm sorry. Custer was a serial killer. All of those fucking people who went and committed genocide were... Serial killers. Everybody who hunted natives and considered them less than human. Serial killers. Everybody who went into Africa and the Middle East and all those places to kill people because they were a different color or religion or whatever the fuck were serial killers. So, boy, that's a rant that just went off because (laughs) I was reading about those dudes and that's the first thing I saw and I was like, shit, I'm so tired of hearing like this is the first. Well, and when there were... When people were lived in more suspicious times, more superstitious times. Then they were vampires. They were vampires or werewolves or or it was the ghost or, or, you know, something took them in the night and there's no explanation for it. And if there wasn't someone who knew how to write 
in town, it, it you know, in the village, it didn't get recorded. Yeah. So it's just, it's hysterical to me. Everybody wants to put it, everybody yes. wants to write it. Everybody wants like, it to be the first. It's not it's the not. first. It never is. Not by far. So, my <laughs> sources uh, were Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Planned Parenthood, and HistoryCollection.com. History Collection. I don't know how I got there, but I did. Most funny on the on mine, you know, the mirror, the sun, the blah, the blah. Okay. <laughs> and even all oh, that's interesting, I didn't put it as one of my sources because it just copied everything that was somewhere else yes. or somebody else. Whatever. Well, the one I did last week, because the Wikipedia article was heavily notated, I would go, I would question what they said and I would go look up the article that was annotated yes. and read some of that. And again, that was the one where I confessed my lack of microbiology skills. So this one was a little easier. Although this one, I could have quoted so much Spanish law yeah. and, and I just went, well, no, our, our listeners don't care just about the intricacies of why this is still on the law books. <laughs> well, and like the Russian, when I covered crimes mm-hmm. in Italy, and that was when I learned I'm absolutely terrified to ever be on the wrong side of a murder investigation there because you've got warring police mm-hmm. groups of police, two of them. And then you've got, they're just so determined to get somebody that they'll get anybody in this Russian one. Mm-hmm. At least 10 men went down for his crimes. Yeah. No evidence that actually convicted the 14-year-old just happened to walk across the same path and find the body. And so, therefore, it was his fault. Well, and One I'm, of them, they lived by the bridge where the body was found, and so they were convicted. And I know you always look at the person who finds the body. Yeah. I mean, you have to, but... Fuck. It makes people not want to be the ones to call, which is the same thing with, okay, so we talked about how I'm having to learn about harm reduction and overdosing yes. and drug use and all that for my for job. <laughs> and Right. And there, I don't even know how many states have it so far. Not enough. There's there, States are having to pass good Samaritan laws because if you are using drugs and you are with somebody who ODs and you call in, Nine times out of ten, the police arrest you because you had drugs, but you were trying to save a life. And that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so they pass these Good Samaritan laws. But even in our training literature or our literature that we hand out to people, Mm -hmm. because we have a card for the Good Samaritan law. So they have it on them in case they have to call us. So we have these laminated cards. But even with the law, it doesn't matter. You still might be convicted even though you're supposed to be protected. And so a lot of people don't call when somebody's overdosing because they're afraid they'll get in trouble. And we actually have literature on, okay, if you are afraid of getting in trouble, first of all, here is this card so that you can hold that up, but also find somebody else, find a neighbor of the person, find somebody to come over and stay with them so that you can take off before, you know, it's, you have to actually tell people that because you have to, you're trying to save a life, but you have to stop. You're forced to stop and think about protecting yourself before you can help them. And so then somebody dies. But I'm watching Louder Milk is what it's called. I have to think about that every time. I've heard of that, but I don't know anything about it. It has Ron Livingston and Will Sasso in it. And so two funny guys that play off each other really well in it. It's, it's, it's a dramedy, right? It's it's more (laughs) drama than it is comedy, but with those two in it, there's going to be comedy elements. And, 
It, it's that whole, he does first aid on somebody who's choking. They're legit choking. He saves their life. And then they sue him. For, for breaking a rib. Okay. But do you want to be, I hate that you can get sued for trying to do first aid on somebody. Yeah. And he says to the guy there in the diner as he saves, you know, you saved my life. And then he gets served with a lawsuit later. And the guy's like, with your overzealous, okay, well, people can try it or they can't. I was first aid certified. And now I think if I had to do that, I'd be like, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to get sued by you because, no. you know, people are douchey. I don't know that I've always gone into action without thinking. So maybe that's not true. <laughs> but there's at least a part of me that's like... Do I want to save you? There'd be I don't know you, you enough to know if you'd sue me. There's a part of you going, oh, fuck, as you do I'll it. be really careful and do this incorrectly so I don't break a rib. Because when you're doing real cardio pulmonary, yes. they have to be forceful and yes. to do any good. But if you're afraid that you're going to get sued for breaking their rib or something, then you're not going to do it. It's just, it's fascinating. And I don't know if Good Samaritan applies to that as well or not, because that's obviously not what I've been studying it for. And I just thought about that. But yeah, it's kind of scary that you can get in so much trouble for being Mm -hmm. a Good Samaritan and that we have to pass laws and that a lot haven't. But my company was a big part of getting it passed in Arizona. Well, that's good. They've gotten at least three different types of really useful legislation passed in their space. People doing good things. I know, right? And for people who are unpopular and media Mm -hmm. and political spheres that nobody wants to help. So it's a big deal. But anyway, don't forget, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash mmmayhem to support the show as you please can be a one-time donation could be a little once in a while or you could sign up for one of the things and get the monthly things that automatically take out a couple <laughs> bucks and get some rewards there you go yeah i got there i knew where you, i was going do, yes <laughs> i was just laughing at using things twice you could do things, the thing with the thing, the thing with and the get thing. the stuff you know it i've said it <laughs> fuck off I have been we, brain yes. deep in studying stuff for the last week, and my brain is fried because I was doing it on top of my work. All right. And I'm we will, a, in future episodes coming up soon, we're going to have some guests. We are. So, yay. exciting. Coming up. And then I'll have, I have new, I'll have a book coming out March 17th. Woo! So I'll have more on that. I'm working on the cover, so it should be going out in my newsletter this week. So Very yeah, exciting. Well, actually, Jeffrey's working on my cover. <laughs> and I'm giving feedback. <laughs> so that'll be fun. And I'll have news at the end of... So it'll be sometime in March, earlier air, because I've set up a thing for writers that we get to go in and talk to the medical examiner here. That's in Slash Coroner. That's in February. February. Yeah. So this will probably be airing... Yeah, right around actually. This will be airing right before. Yeah, and then because I just wrote it in my, horror thing. So ah, I just wrote it on my calendar. So let's see. <laughs> I was like, I got to figure out where the because somebody asked me if I was free for something, and I said, hold on, because I'm always saying I'm very boring. I never do anything, and then I sat down, um, 
and went, oh, well, I'm doing this this month and this. I, and I don't do a lot, but I have like one little thing going on every month. So I'm like, oh, I've got to get those on the calendar instead of on a tiny scrap of paper. Right. On my or desktop. just an email or just on Facebook. Yes. Or, yeah. I'm terrible. About it. I'm better about it. I've been doing well with my little planner and then transferring it to my calendar lately. Better than I used to be. I had right. to look up women in horror to see when that was so I could put that on my calendar. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> it's the 18th. By the time this... Oh, it's right after this. Yeah. Wait. So, and then the coroner is right after that. Yes. Yeah. Because then we don't want to do it on Valentine's Day. We did the first one. It's called a bloody Valentine on Valentine's, but... A lot of people want to go out and... Val- I, just because I don't go out on Valentine's anymore doesn't no. mean nobody else does. I don't either. So, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, but I don't want to be out there with a billion people. No. Oh, also, I get to go see Tootsie this week. <gasps> the musical. I am so jealous. I'm looking forward to it. That should be fun. I'm hoping it's updated for the times and one would hope isn't inappropriate. But, all right. We Thanks will talk to you next week. Bye. Have a good week, boy. Thank you for listening to Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, mysteriesmonstersmayhem.com. Please like, rate, and review. Follow and share wherever your favorite podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. We'll be back next week with more shenanigans.